Welcome to Connex, a podcast for construction executives. Today, I have uh, Jimmy McKinney. Do you go by Jimmy or Jim? Jimmy. Okay. Um, Jim, <laughs> my name is actually Scotty, but I took the Y off because nobody could take me seriously with the Y. You know, so, uh, so, but, but Jimmy is a lot more grown up name than Scotty is, you know, so, uh, so, uh, I got Jimmy McKinney, um, and, uh, rather than me tell his story, tell us about yourself, Jimmy, tell us, you know, about you, tell us about your company, the floor is yours. Yeah, thanks. So, uh, yeah, my dad is Jim, so that's why I, I went with Jimmy. So I'm, I'm actually the third, so I'm, James is my real name, named after my grandfather, who was a, a coal miner, uh, sawmill owner, and woodworker. So that was kind of in the bloodline. But no, I'm Jimmy McKinney. So I own Jane R. Construction, uh, steward over that. Uh, we started in uh, April of 2003, and I had about, it wasn't quite $700. And that's how I started. It oh, was really? just me. Uh, so my background, I was, uh, my, of course, my grandfather, great grandfather owned sawmills in eastern Kentucky, eastern part of the state. They used to sell uh, lumber to the Blue Diamond Coal Company. They did some handcrafted furniture. My dad um, wasn't in construction, but he was um, built built houses, built our own house that we moved into. And so I kind of had it in my blood growing up. When I was 10 years old, I built a clubhouse in our backyard and I was just so proud that it didn't leak. And, uh, but the, but the one thing that my dad pointed out to me was I had all the shingles lined up going the same way. They weren't uh, stair steps. I thought, you know, lining them up was the way you had to do it. So I learned how to roof and do shingles correctly when I was 10 years old, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then, uh, you know, took some drafting woodworking classes in high school. And I still, to this day, have the solid walnut coffee table that I made in shop class in high school. And it's an it's an antique in the sense that, uh, you know, in woodworking class, those of you that remember those when, when there used to be shop class in school, uh, I don't think there's too many shop classes now, but you would have numbered and lettered chisels that you would hammer into your whatever you built. So it was dated. And uh, I had the nine. It was 1991. I had the nine upside down by accident. So it was a uh, it's a coffee table from the 1691 <laughs> oh, shoot. well that's that's awesome you're gonna keep it on i was gonna say it's an antique because me and you are antiques <laughs> yeah. so. well you know i'm i'm uh i don't know what you believe in but you know the bible says we can live to be 120 so i'm not that old yet yeah they, that, that's true but <laughs> guys like us who live who live uh uh life fast uh I don't know if we can make that long. <laughs> so, yeah. Lord willing, he'll, uh, he'll so keep us grew, as long as he needs to. So you grew up here in Kentucky in Lexington? I, well, I grew up in eastern Kentucky in Paintsville until I was in about the fifth grade, and then we moved. So I've been in I've been in the Lexington area since uh, I was a freshman in high school. So I've been here pretty much most of my life. And um, was in the Army Reserves for a little while. I uh, was in um, started with 84 Lumber Company. After uh, after college and uh, went to Eastern, I think that's where you're at. Um, yes, that's where I was at. Yeah. And um, so I started with 84 Lumber Company in Winchester, 
and got promoted and transferred around to I eventually became a store manager of 84 Lumber Company. And all along in the middle of that career, I was I started doing a lot of decks and screening porches on the side with uh, with friends that I've met over the years. And uh, so it's it's an interesting mix that I've been able to be on the sales side of it, be on the supply side of this mm-hmm. business. And I'm on the construction side. So I can I can really sympathize and empathize with um, our suppliers and vendors and trades and just have a good relationship and know being on that side of it, dealing with contractors and now on this side, um, you know, I've, I've got a long, a lot of long, I'm a pretty loyal guy. So I've got a lot of long-term uh, vendors and suppliers that, um, you know, we've gone through a lot of ups and downs together. So then I got move, um, started with a construction company here in Lexington, worked for them for a couple of years. And then it got to a point to where I was like, all right, Lord, if you want me to start this full time, you're going to give me a stupid sign. And he did twice. And, uh, <laughs> So, you just weren't smart enough to catch the first one, huh? Like me. It's the first one, yeah. So, so started full time. Again, 2003, it was just me uh, that, uh, as the J. The R was Russell, longtime high school friend of mine. Didn't know much about construction, just we were good. We were best friends at the time and thought we would come together and start this. And after the first year, uh, I kind of bought him out and it made sense to do so. We're still good friends to this day, uh, but had already established clientele, so didn't want to change the name. So that's the, kind of the history behind JNR. But yeah, I had uh, just under $700 and um, I think a credit card with maybe a $1,500 limit on it. Uh-huh. And that's how we started. Well, how, so and here we are 18 years later. We now okay, have two okay, offices. How long ago was it? Yeah. So now we have two offices. I have a second office in Owensboro. I have a total staff of about 20. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we're in the middle of we'll 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 be in the middle of anywhere from twenty ish to twenty five projects at a time. I think company wide we have close to forty in design right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's yeah, that's us in a nutshell. So um, you know, is is residential what you gravitated because you know what you did younger? Do you do any? Your core focus is residential, but do you do anything else besides residential? So I have. And so if I was going to, some advice that I got early on, when I probably about three years in business, I kind of started a little um, kind of a mentor type group. And it was with guys that were in the business a lot longer than I am. My dad was part of it. I had another longtime client of mine who used to be a consultant with Lexmark IBM. And um, um, Ron Ron Hargett with the Hargett Corporation here in town was part of that. Uh, Chuck Ross, who at the time was with uh, Back Construction at the time, was part mm-hmm. of that. And, um, you know, they all said the same thing. What, and that was to focus and create a niche. And the quicker you can do that, um, the better off that you would be. And I'm like, well, I'm in residential. So, I mean, that's that's a niche in itself, right? So... And over the years, I, you know, I did handyman stuff. I did commercial remodeling. We remodeled all of the inside of Two Keys Tavern years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I started doing a little bit of commercial remodeling, thought it was kind of in the mix too. Would do insurance work, um, started building some houses here and there. But what, what I found was here in the past probably five years, we've just narrowed that focus and we stay in our lane of residential home remodeling. We're a design build firm, which means we have designers on staff. We have software we can draw up. 
and show you in 3D, change colors. We handhold our clients through selection process, but now we don't do commercial work. We don't build homes. We don't do insurance work. We don't do handyman work. Kitchens, bathrooms, basements, room additions, decks, whole house remodels. And then if it's part of that, and if we don't do it, we have partners or people we recommend to do those things. Mm-hmm. We just found that stay in your lane, kind of like it roads on a, on a, you know, an eight lane highway. If you, if you find the third lane o- over is the one without the least amount of bumps and potholes, stay in that lane. And that's, that's some good advice. I tell you, you know, cause that's what we have a tendency to do is never say no to anything. And then. Oh, if you wanted me to build you a birdhouse, I was going to build a birdhouse. <laughs> yeah. you know, sometimes early on, and you have to, yeah. you know, you got to eat, right? I mean, there were times where I don't even think I paid myself $20,000 a year. And there was, we had starts of, I was on, me and my wife, when I had young daughters at the time, we were on, we did a medical card, we did food stamps for a period of time. I mean, you just do what you can do to make it work. And, uh, you know, I had my parents gave me a lot of work uh, to do, and um, that's a huge blessing over the years of just friends and family. And but you, you really gotta. I think if I was um, giving myself advice to my younger self, you know, you've got to have, you've got to have that entrepreneurial spirit, and what that means is almost a willingness to. Uh, I forget what it is. Uh, the adage of um, you know, there were there were uh, an army at sea and they were on their ships and they got up to the island or the land and everybody got off the ship and they looked back and all the ships were on fire. Well, the captain is the one who burned all the ships. He's like, you know, there's no we're not going back. So you've got to have that almost that mentality, um, especially in this business. I mean, construction is is hard work and it, it is a very risky business. Um, especially when it comes to estimating and, you know, if you leave something out, who's going to pay for that, you know? And so I've, I've had a lot of, um, hard lessons, things that I've paid for probably more than once over the years. I always tell people you either, you either pay college tuition or pay tuition, uh, or, or work for somebody else, or you pay tuition through mistakes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'll tell you, I'll tell you that I probably, I can't say that I wouldn't have this, but I say I, the the level of faith that I have now owning my own business and doing this, I don't know if I would have that same level of faith if I worked for somebody else over this course of time. But you have to have, you know, uh, you have to have that, that entrepreneur spirit. I'd kind of reference hand in hand with faith. And my definition of faith is believing that you have it or you see it or that vision, even though you don't have it right now. You know, believing you have it, even though you don't see it as a, but a faith in a, not a blind sense, not a, I'm going to walk off this cliff and hope that there's something to catch me, but almost, you know, it's, it's a line. It's, it's a very thin line right there. I always, I always tell people what the the sermon I heard that kind of summed it up for me was, uh, you know, cause I think. I, I'm a worrier, you know, I, especially in my younger days, I would worry about things to do with business. I'd cringe when I got an IRS notice, you know, um, mm-hmm. we all do. And, uh, and yeah. then I, and then I really, then I went to this, uh, to church Sunday, one Sunday and they said, when's the last time you seen a bird walking back and forth thinking, to, uh, 
pacing saying, I don't know if there's going to be any food tomorrow. <laughs> and I thought to myself, yeah. and, and it says in the Bible, you know, if, if he's going to provide for the birds and he loves you more then why wouldn't he provide for you? You know, so that's right. So, uh, yeah. It's I, in Matthew, Matthew chapter six, I believe. And it, it even talks about, you know, one of my favorite verses is 633 and 34, you know, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. And 34 is the turn. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow worry about itself. Each day is enough trouble of its own. And boy, isn't that the truth? <laughs> so, yeah, it is. So, you know, you know, you told us a lot of, a lot, you know, give us a general outline, like kind of the history of your company. What significant event for you was there that kind of shaped your business model? You know, you talked about doing a lot of different things and all, and then you realize focus is important if I want to grow. So what, what, what was that? Was that the sw- the big switch for you? Was there any other significant events? Um, I don't, I don't know if I've got there yet. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always, I'm, I always try to constantly improve and we're always, you've, you've got to be almost like a palm tree. You've got to, you've got to be planted and rooted. You've got to have some foundational things that are your non-negotiables, mm-hmm. but you can bend, you can bend and lose limbs and lose all your coconuts and, you know, the bark will fall off, but the tree's still there and things will grow back. Coconuts will come back. The fruit will be there next year. You know, so you have, there's years where you have gains. There's years you have losses, mm-hmm. you know, there's, there's ups and downs with it all, but it's um, that I, I, I kind of think about, you know, Paul in the Bible talks about, um, he found the basically the secret sauce of being content, you know, that middle line of joy. Mm-hmm. You know, we have, we have huge ups and downs of life, but you can find that middle ground. Um, that's where the, that's where the key is. But I would think for me, there's been multiple significant things over the years. And if I look back, um, you know, it's either been a huge loss of a job. I remember the first edition I ever did the client, I think I signed the contract for $35,000 and it took me 55,000 to get it built. Oh shoot! Yeah, you know that's that's not a good day. <laughs> and right. And you know, so it's sometimes learning from those hard mistakes. And you know, I hear people sometimes who are not business owners that say, "Well, you lost on this one. You can just make it up on the next one." Well. No, that's not true. The definition of lost is when it's lost, it's gone. You, there's no getting it back. And um, so it's just things you have to do over the years. It's continual giving up and growing and, and changing what you do. But the significant changes for me, I had, um, I think, joining a peer networking group was a huge shift in my business um, for the past couple of years ago. We were kind of a you know, we've been design build for probably seven years now, but we weren't really doing it the way that I, that we're doing it now, which means we would still price a job, give a series of allowances, you know, $500 for this, $300 for the commode, $200 for the sink, you know, whatever it is, and then sign it and then go into construction agreement and then go make selections in those things. Well, 
that quickly that worked for a while to a period of time but as you grow you find out things that don't work anymore it's like i think of stairs on a on a staircase you get you know you go that vertical step up to that next step is is straight up but then there's a period of time where it's straight across and then you hit that wall and you've either got to stay there or you've got to go up to the next level so i'm a big believer on you're either growing or you're dying there's no in between now and i know there's a lot of people in this industry that um a lot of remodeling companies nationwide are a handful of staff and under you know mm-hmm. one two three guys doing two three five hundred thousand a year less than a million a year and if that's what your goal is you can still grow in that and keep that same number it depends on what your definition of growth is so i would anyway sorry i get off on the squirrels every now and then but no <clears> if, if um, i think the past I, couple of years the the shift now to true design build where we we do everything in the front end and just realizing that it can be done and that's what the market is asking for design build the the word and the term design build is so new in the industry mm-hmm. just as you look at construction as the history of construction that the term design build and how design build remodeling companies do it is you know less than 20 years old and um so making that work now so that's been a huge shift for us getting designers we have certified interior designers on staff project managers on staff you know and as you grow just coming up with that plan and when to add people but all that to say what i've learned over the years it it, you're only going to grow as fast or as good as your people and you've got to have good people and that um so to be very slow to hire and be very quick to hire quick to fire slow to hire quick to fire do you think do you think that you know that in in your sector have you you know obviously you know how you're doing relative but nationwide have you heard anything about how I mean, obviously, we've all been affected by this in one way, shape, or form. It's kind of, this is the weirdest thing in the world to me that, like, in, I remember 2007, 2008, and you probably do too. Well, I know you do. <laughs> because, yeah. because those are not good days, you know? So, uh, but yeah. they were challenging, I'll put it that way. Thanks, but, uh, thanks for bringing that pain back up. I <laughs> and uh, uh, how have you seen it affect, like, you know, your sector, uh, you know, not just the amount of work. I can say, like in my sector, I do federal work. And in the federal world, world, all the jobs that were going are already awarded are moving forward. Everything that is not yet awarded has kind of just been put on hold until we get past some, some of these things. What's your experience yeah, with, so, with your industry? Yeah, and I can't speak to that commercial world more so then you can because that's uh and i've heard that i have a cousin who uh, owns a large uh, commercial construction company here in town as well uh, but the residential side the um it is not slowed down we've actually so the what we're going through as a residential industry now when i say residential i'm going to include home builders and remodelers in this mm-hmm. so coming into this year pre-covid we were 
on the incline anyway. Um, you know, interest rates are down. People are building houses. Housing values are going up. Equity is getting built up. People are staying in their houses longer. You know, five, eight, five to eight years ago, the average person was staying in their house five to seven years. Well, now the average person is staying in their house 11 to 13 years. So they've got more equity in the house. They're doing improvements. They like where they live. They like their school district or you know, whatever it is. So they're going to head. Okay, let's remodel the kitchen. Let's do the bathroom. Let's add a porch on the back. Well, when COVID hit, we, um, you know, calls went down initially, but, what I did as a company, I took everything that we were doing and threw it all on the table and said, okay, what, where's the fat that needs to be trimmed? And when I'm, when I talking about this, I'm talking about networking, marketing, mm-hmm. uh, of it. and we actually increased our marketing because I was like, everybody's at home. Why wouldn't we? Yeah, no joke. And, and what that's done, um, just in general, everybody's been at home and sees what they need to have done to their house. And there's all this built up demand and equity anyway. So we've actually, we've hired six people this year already. We actually, we took over another construction company that was more of a smaller handyman company and combined, merged with them, hired some of their staff, um, which made sense for us. We, um, in the home building industry, and things. I sit on some state and national boards with the National Association. The issue we're having right now is the demand hasn't slowed down. The supply chains have slowed down. So mm-hmm. you've got lumber company, lumber mills and sawmills that somebody gets sick, have shut down the line for two weeks. Well, what happens to all those orders? Well, they just sit there. They can't be made. So there's a backup. You know, it's kind of like a hair clog in a sink. You know, that water just keeps backing up. Eventually, when you can get that clog done. There's a rush that gets that gets done. But um, then you've got appliances. So I was in a meeting with LG. So you've got all these builders and also so you got home builders, you have apartment complex builders and you have um, remodelers. Mm-hmm. So you've got all these all these appliances that Whirlpool shuts down now because if something happened somebody got sick, whatever. Well, all those orders still need to be fulfilled. So now they've shifted them to Frigidaire. Frigidaire has the orders that they had before, plus now they're double because they, because Whirlpool shut down. So now Frigidaire is overwhelmed. Then somebody gets sick there, that shuts down. Well, LG, so LG has been running at 100% capacity with no shutdowns nationwide, uh, worldwide, actually. Their factories are built a little differently, so people aren't as close and are more automated, but their demand is so high that they just can't fulfill the order. So if you and I were going to redo our kitchen and we were going to go into our local supplier and say, Hey, I want it. These are the appliances I want that, um, that, that company gives that order to to LG. Well, maybe before they were eight weeks on getting that sent. Now they're more like 12 to 16 weeks. Wow. Then you've got the lumber issue. Um, I was going to ask you about that because. So July, I was just on a call yesterday. The timing of this podcast could not be greater. I was on a podcast or a a Zoom call yesterday with a lot of leaders in our industry. Lumber from July 31st 
till now, which is only not even two months, has increased 31%. Oh, wow. I didn't realize it was that large. There was a, there was a home builder here, a custom home builder here in town that two months ago, his lumber per, lumber package for his house was 40000 Now it's 60000 Oh, my God. And he was asking the person, he's like, who pays for that? You know, you've got homeowners that have a loan through a bank, construction loan, that may be maxed out. That's all they can get. They can't get any more money. You've got builders that are running on thin margins already anyway. They can't, they can't absorb that $20,000 difference. So you also, I've heard um, there's a large home builder uh, that had close to 600 contracts to build new homes that hadn't got started and they paused them all. They're only building what they had under contract because they can't fulfill the orders. One, and also the numbers. Mm -hmm. I also talked to one plywood manufacturer uh, rep that he had a builder up north his base price for a house was maybe in the 150s. He's increased his base price to 190. Wow. So now, now you also have a nationwide issue where you're knocking a whole bunch of people out of affordability for a house. Well, and you, um, so you know, and I, I, you bring up a very good point about the whole, you know, it, I think that different sectors obviously steel has always been the one for us and you know obviously you guys don't use the steel as much in residential as as it does in say commercial or federal but um steel has always been one of those killers and it, it's the uh i always say that there's a lot of pent-up demand and when this all breaks <laughs> you thought it was crazy yeah. before it's going to be really crazy you know so you're, oh, you're probably already you probably already have have some of the craziness going on. It sounds like you do with the, the pricing and the long lead times. Yeah. Stuff. Well, and, and a lot of our, a lot of our remodeling projects, you know, are don't use a lot of lumber. Some do. It just depends on the project. Um, so, I mean, we, we can usually absorb that through and, and it, we have, we're having that conversation, but I'll tell you if, if there's any construction owners listening to this, um, I've, my attorney sent me the last things. If you don't already, you should have an escalation clause in your contracts um, that if things, you know, however much you want to absorb, you can, you know, ours says if it increases more than 15%, that's going to be a change order and they're going to have to pay for that difference. Uh, but I would highly recommend a, an addendum or an addition to your work agreements that add that uh, escalation clause in there. And if you have any of your listeners that want a copy of mine, I'll be, I'll, I'll be more than happy to send that to you and post and get that out there. You know, think talking about, you know, kind of switching gears here a little bit. Um, you know, if you had to sit down with say, you bring up a, a good point with another business owner and it, this is kind of a two part question. The first one is if you sat down with a business owner, the second part is if you sat down with somebody that's, just recently graduated college or, or high school or want to go into construction sector, what advice would you give them? So the first one is what advice do you think you would give, uh, you know, a fellow owner of a construction company? Now, and, and I'm assuming this would be the same type company that I am. If I, if a residential, um, well, it wouldn't have to be. It could be, or it could be more something more general. Yeah, if 
if I was going to sit down with an existing construction owner um, and he said, just tell me, give me some advice on how I can make this better. Uh, um, I would say focus on focus on your staff and how basically how can you serve them more than they serve you? So what is their, you know, is there training? Are there podcasts? Are there um, uh, weekly meetings that need to happen? So we as we as a company, we, we try to look at everything in a 90 day world. Um, so we have quarterly staff meetings. Mm-hmm. That's everybody in the company from the top management all the way down to the guy that's running, picking up the dumpsters. And those are um, half a day meetings, lunch is provided, but it's, um, we set goals in those meetings uh, as well, you know, cause the goal for the salesman is not going to be the same for the guy that's going to pick up dumpsters. Mm-hmm. It, the goal for the project manager is not the same. So uh, I would, I would recommend that if they're not already doing it, have at least a quarterly meeting with everybody in your staff. And then the second thing I would say, know the heart of all your people. And the only way to do that is to spend time with them. You know, I have a production manager, so I'm not really involved with production mm-hmm. that much anymore. He's over all the project managers and all that. So he, he handles all that stress that I don't have to worry about anymore. Um, but if I don't know these guys, I don't know where they're coming from or even know. And the Bible talks about know the know, know your flock. You know, if you're a sheep herder, you've got to know all, all the sheep deep that you have and if one of them's sick you've got to take care of them so the other the second piece of advice i would give a current business owner is take take one person in your company out once a week for lunch and just with nothing more than hey i just want to get tell me about what's going on in your life you know what's going on in your personal life not just your work life and then end it with is there anything i can do to help make your job better or easier, what would that be? And you might, you might find a ton of ideas that you didn't even realize that you needed to do in your company. And, and you know, the, the, you, you said some listening is, <laughs> is, it could be a tough thing, especially for people who like to talk like me and you, you know? So, yeah. uh, so uh, I tr- but- I try to, it's hard to do sometimes, but I try to remember that I have two ears and one mouth. We should listen to us as much as we talk. You know what I do? What has helped me become, I read a book on active listening and it talked about, you know, different ways you could actually learn to listen. And one of the ways that I use is I, in my head, when somebody's talking, I kind of visualize in an animated way what that person's talking about. And for some reason, it just engages me enough uh, Either, either I like cartoons or, <laughs> but it, it engages me, you know, and uh, um, it, it, I find it to be really helpful. And it, it is hard to become, you know, a lot of people think, oh, listening's easy. I see it's a, it's a challenging thing. You, you know, it's a skill yeah. too. I will add, I'll add one more. I'll add a third thing that I would tell a business owner and then I'll get into the, the new, the college grad that's going to start business. So the third thing I would recommend is, in this business, we deal with a lot of emotions. We do. We have a, an emotional roller coaster graph. We give all of our clients ahead of time that explains, hey, you're going to have ups and downs through this. You know, especially 
when we get to drywall and it doesn't look like anything has, has changed in a week and a half, it sucks. And you're living in all that, all the dirt and the mess and everything else, especially if it's a kitchen remodel. And that's, you know, everybody is in the kitchen always. So, and the majority of our clients live in the house while we're doing the work. So it's, there's a lot of challenges in that, but, and I don't know if you knew this, but nationwide, 10% of people get divorced as a result of a home remodeling project, uh, just cause it's stressful. Um, so well, I went through a two year home remodel and I, uh, I can say, I, I, I can see that. <laughs> yeah. So, so take, take your people through emotional intelligence. So there's a, emotional intelligence 2.0 if you look it up it's a book there's an assessment that you take uh, along with it and then go through that it really helps you be self-aware socially aware um and and know where people and just you know bottom line just like we've all you know the golden rule treat others how you want to be treated you know people um if if they know you care uh you know, they, they'll, they'll do business with you, but bottom line, people do business with people they trust, period. That's it. And, and so, you, you bring up a phrase that, that, that are saying that, that I'm sure you've heard before is that people don't, people don't really care about what you say. People really don't care about what you do, but people do care about how, how you make them feel, you know? And, uh, and that sounds a little touchy feely for my sake sometimes, but the reality is, is that's, that's 100% true, especially with the generation that we're bringing into the market right now. They want to know, I mean, the average, I, you know, I, and I'm glad you're quoting things because uh, I always read things. The average person that enters the industry from college will work for six different organizations before they find the one they spend their career with. And uh, yeah. that's, you know, no more 30 years with a company, you know, I mean, it, that's just, it's not the model they have today yeah. i think a lot has to go with you know obviously how they're treated but go ahead yeah. focus on relationships everything else will fall into place so so if i was a if a, a recent college grad uh was say finishing the project management uh um, path at eastern and, and they said you know what i want to start my own remodeling business uh, but i'm not sure you know so a lot of times we get stuck in the hallway. You know, it's like we've got this key ring with all these keys and we're in this hallway and we look down and there's there's a hundred doors you can walk in. A lot of people get stuck in the hallway. Just take a key and open the door. So if you're gonna start in this business, just just start. Just do it. And burn the ships and don't go back. And ha if you have that mentality, even if it doesn't work out, you know, it, it's majority what well, they say it's 70, 70, 80 percent of remodeling companies fail within the first five years. Mm -hmm. And I've seen it over the years. Um, but if you if you have that burn the ships, we're not going back attitude um, and get as, as quickly as you can find a mentor, find a peer networking group uh, to be a part of that will will take you leaps and bounds um light years ahead of even where i even started so oh you know what i don't even think i knew what the difference between markup and margin was until my second year in business <laughs> <laughs> i thought i was you know i'd mark up an, an estimate 25 percent. i thought i was making 25 percent. no i was only making 16 17 percent 
the uh, you know the the I always say you you learn a lot from you know people's failures and people's you know I think you learn more from people's failures than you do from their successes. But but could you share with some with us you know you know a brief story about failure or success that taught you a very valuable lesson you carry with you every day? That when I just uh, talked about you know when I thought I was um, when I thought margin and markup were the same thing and then I took a class with the Home Builders Association on estimating it was a huge light bulb and a almost I mean I I probably I was probably white I mean I turned ghost white just in a hard lump in my throat I was like oh crap I've been doing this wrong no wonder I'm losing money. Um, so that was that was a big one there early on. The um, I think the other lesson learned is um, try not to do any swags. Um, um, and I'll the the A is so silly wild um, guesses. You know, try not to swag too many numbers. Uh, try to get hard numbers, uh, especially in today's market with material prices and things like that, because you can really lose your shirt. Um, that that's been a huge lesson learned. Um, and then knowing knowing when to say no. You know, I I think Warren Buffett said it best. He said he I've made more money by saying no than by saying yes. So that goes back to that niche. If somebody calls, says, hey. I need you to come over right now. Look at this. We need to get started tomorrow. Well, if that doesn't fit your production cycle of you've got to go through at least a week or two or three or several months or whatever it is, just say no. So the quicker you can say no, and it's hard to do early on when you're first starting in business. Mm -hmm. But sometimes it's better to sit on the porch and lose $10 than to go out. And I don't don't know how you, uh, uh, how, I don't want to say you, but how, I've heard some stories of commercial contractors that it's like, it sounds like they're buying jobs. I don't understand that piece of it, you know, where, and I see it in my industry too, where my cost of a job may be 20,000 and the guy's pricing it for 15. I'm like, why? You know, you're going to lose 5,000 just by taking the job. Oh, I know. But, but you, they need it so bad because they've maybe lost on in the previous one, lost on a previous one. I know I've been there. So don't buy jobs, sit on the porch and lose 20 bucks, then go out and buy a job and lose 200 just to have cash flow. Um, but uh, also speaking of cash flow, understanding that that was huge. I have a spreadsheet, a weekly cash flow spreadsheet I look at almost every day now. And that's kind of, you think about, you know, when you drive a vehicle, do you drive a vehicle that doesn't have, a speedometer or fuel gauge, temperature gauge. Why, why would you do that? Well, I reference, I've been flying a plane for years mm-hmm. in the dark, with no gauges. Now I haven't hit any major mountains. I've clipped some and I've kind of known when I needed to land to get gas. But now when you have a lot of these tools and resources and you get a lot of those from peers and networking groups and things like that, it's like you can see that you might be flying in the dark, but at least you got gauges. The, uh, you know, you, you bring up a, a good point about like, uh, 
you know, the group that you got involved with. Uh, I, I don't know how you feel about this, but I think a lot of people undervalue. I, I'm a believer in that too. And actually some of the good moves we made with the company have been to, um, you know, I, I had participated in Vistage. I'm sure, I don't know if you're familiar with that organization or not. I am. Okay. And uh, um, it, it was just, and I'm not doing a Vistage commercial here. So, uh, but, <laughs> but, but my specific Vistage group helped me out tremendously. And when I try to get people to down with, sit down with me or attend a group or be part of it, they're like, I don't have time. And my response is, well, you realize what you're passing up here, you know? Right. You know? Yeah. So maybe that's the solution to the reason you don't have well, time. And the reason why they say that is the same reason I probably said that early on. Well, a twofold. One, I didn't think I had the time. Two, I didn't want to pay for it. I'm like, mm -hmm. and that comes down to pride. You know, what's the middle letter in pride? It's I, right? So take the I out of it and get you, get out of your own way, and um, budget for consulting, budget for networking groups. Have that, have an expense line in there. Uh, it is so worth it. Um, if I would, I remember when I um, early on. I was going to hire, uh, I researched online and had these consultants. I, the lady called me and it was a three day assessment. It was going to be 1200 bucks. I was like, Psh, I'm not paying 1200 bucks for somebody to come in here and tell me what I already know, you know, kind of thing. And <laughs> yeah. so then one of the salespersons called me, he said, you know, he said, Jimmy, I'll tell you what, he said, let me come and show you what it's all about. He said, I'll even do the three day and if you don't see the value in it, you don't have to pay me. And I'm like, well, free. I don't care. Come on. You know, so <laughs> did that ever, ever since then. I think I've I probably spend now, um, you know, 50,000 a year in consulting and networking groups and everything else. You know, just um, that's a lot of money, but it, it's all relative to size. But, you know, spend a couple hundred bucks a month, you know, doing well, there's that. So, the start there's so much value there and people don't realize how much and they don't. And, and the other thing was that they said, well, I only want to participate with people in my industry. And some of the best advice, actually the best piece of advice I got from anybody, from somebody, was somebody who owned uh, a, a, uh, a, 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 I won't tell his industry, but it was, uh, it was uh, uh, personal beauty, basically products and services, you know? That doesn't, no thing near, we didn't have very much in common whatsoever, but I learned so much from him just because, you know, he was good at what he did. And there's some common, you know, threads there between businesses, you know, and, uh, yeah. you know, I reference that to kind of the people in my organization. Um, you know, if I'm a, if I'm trying to create a good beef vegetable soup, a stew, a good mix in my company um and i'm a carrot i can't hire all carrots mm -hmm. i just got soup so you've got to have a good mix and having that yes there's there's benefits to that having other people other business owners that are like-minded that are in different industries can give you all kinds of ideas i mean it's it's basically a reference um sometimes we're in this boat as business owners and we've got this big this body of water that we're in and all of a sudden the storm clouds come in and you can't see five feet in front of you. Well, then over beside the, the, the big lake, there's this airport. 
And this plane takes off and gets up high. And he's looking down from 30,000 feet and says, man, look at that. Look at all that calm water. But look at that boat down there. That's got that little bitty storm cloud around him. He's probably going through some crap. But he can see the, the water ahead. So it's sometimes you have to get out of the boat, get in the plane, get a different perspective. And sometimes that takes other people not around you to show you that. And, and you know what? If people didn't believe in that, then they haven't paid attention the last six months. <laughs> because, oh. you know, the last six months have been a good, uh, good, you know, uh, uh, reality to the fact that you, you definitely need to be able to uh, be able to look at things in a bigger, bigger picture than just tomorrow, you know? So, um, yeah. so if I were to ask but you would, what the future of your company was, what would you what, what would you say? What is the future of our company? Um, I'm a, so I'm a very optimistic person. So a visionary. So I, I would say it, the out outlook for remodeling and, and our company just in general is great just because We've made so many changes um, and they're all positive and we're getting good feedback and we're seeing the fruit of that, of those changes. Um, you know, the, we're, we're continuing to grow. I have a vision that we're in other cities as well as the other two that we're in. And so what through, you know, I've, I've, I've acquired and took over two companies in, uh, in Lexington over the past 18 years and brought them into my business. Mm -hmm. uh, so I would, I wouldn't, I'd see more of that companies merging together, um, mergers and acquisitions. Um, you're seeing it all over the board right now anyway, with other companies, HVAC companies coming together. But that's, that's kind of the future for us. Um, working on that, just continuing to focus on my people, having the right leadership team in place um, and going through that. Well, to kind of close you out, I'm kind of done with my questions. I want to ask you a few. I they call this the speed round where I go through eight different topics and, and okay. you rate one to ten, ten being the most important, one being the least important. And they don't they could all be tens. So if you feel they're all tens, that's fine too. But uh, and if you okay. want to explain your answer, feel free to. So with that said, uh, let's begin scheduling on a one to ten basis. I, I saw this, I, I think I saw this list when you sent it out and I, I was like, it would be hard to, if you asked all these to me and rate them, it'd be hard to put a number to all of them, but I'm going to scheduling. It's, it's up there. It's a, it's gotta be a nine or a 10. Estimated. I mean, if you don't, if you don't create a schedule, what are you going to, what are you doing? So no, absolutely. Absolutely. Est estimating is a 10 all, all the way. Why would you wait? Because that's that's where you either you either you're either estimating to make money or you're estimating to lose money. <laughs> Isn't that the truth? <laughs> uh, now I have contracts and contract administration. One of them deals with contracts, actual paper contracts, and contract administration actually executing that paper contract. What is your thought on those? Uh, in my world, that's part of the sales process. I mean, that's just asking. But I would say that is. That's a 10 in that you need to ask for the sale. How many of us get to the get to the table? We're talking numbers across the table, whatever it is, and we never ask them if they want to buy it. We'll just say, how does that sound? Are you ready to sign off? 
you know, get a, get a yes or no in a commitment and then sign it. But yeah, that having that paperwork, I mean, when I first started a business, I had a one page work agreement. Now it's 10 pages because my, I have a great attorney. But, mm-hmm. you know, I, th- I think I can show you in each page what type of clientele that was at that time added that page and for what reason. <laughs> <laughs> what about design? Oh, man, these are all just very high uh, design. Again, if you don't have a good design, I tell our clients all the time, I can't really tell you what a number is going to be because I haven't designed anything. So having a good design, maybe a eight or nine and only, and I don't give it a 10 only because it's every design is not perfect. There's going to be something that comes up in the field that doesn't work paper. And so you have to make it work. So that's why I just give that one an eight or nine. What about accounting? Counting to 10, that should be the first thing. If I was if I was going back to tell my college grad to get started, also get accounting software, whether that's QuickBooks or Peachtree or whatever it is at the very beginning, because I was given that advice and I did. Now I've got 18 years of history. I can go back and look at things. Which in this business don't mean anything six months ago anyway. <laughs> <laughs> what about selling work? You know, you mentioned this a little bit. Um and you, you know, asking for the sale. What do you think about selling work? Selling work to me would be off the scale. It would be the highest, uh, only because I've always been a kind of guy that, you know, will get, you got to get the work sold, then figure out how to get it done kind of thing. If you don't have the, but if you don't have any sales, then nothing else matters. And the last one is leadership. In a general sense or the person running the company? In a general sense. Um, when you start and it's just you, it's just you. Um, so as you grow, developing leaders in that leadership team uh, through taking care of your people and, uh, again, being slow to hire and quick to fire. Um, be very slow. Know know what company culture you're trying to create, mm-hmm. and don't don't move from that. It's like the palm tree reference. Let that be your foundation, and don't move that foundation. So for us, our foundation is kind of the core of what we're at is because relationships matter. The next layer is customer service and quality first, or um, I'm sorry, helping everyone enjoy the process, and then what everybody sees is customer service and quality first. Well, if our focus is first relationships. I've got I've got a post-it note on one of my in my one of my offices that says uh, it's not about money it's about people. So that's focus on the relationships first. So f- figure out your culture, grow off of that, and then books. I've I've read a ton of books. If I was gonna go back and start with a book, that should be the first one you read. It's actually the recent one that just came out, and even the author said. Of all these, of the 12, 13 books that I've written, I recommend that people should read this one first. It's by Patrick Lencioni, and it's called The Motive. And it's getting down to the why. Why are you in business? Why do you want to start this business by yourself? You know, is it just to make more money? Is it, you know, what what is that why? 
And then sometimes that book's been great for me. Cause sometimes we have to revisit the why, you know, it's like in marriage. Sometimes you get further down the road. You, you might have some rough spots that you have to go back and remember, okay, why did I get married in the first place? <laughs> oh yeah. Make sure your wife doesn't listen to this. <laughs> she's heard me say this before. So, she's but no, it's, I mean, it, we're all imperfect people trying to, trying to work together and trying to live together. Right. So again, it's about people, relationships. Well, I'm so gonna... leadership, would be, leadership would be a, a nine, eight, nine. Yeah. Well, I want to, I want to thank you for, for taking the time with me to meet with me today and, and talk with me. Um, I actually, uh, saw you on TV and I, I, you know, doing this podcast, I thought, you know, he'd be a good guy to talk with. And, you know, we talk with a lot of different kind of people. Um, and not, we haven't really talked to too many people in your sector of the business. And, and, you know, it's interesting to kind of get an insight into different, you know, that we may have different problems, but we also have a lot of the same problems, you know? So, uh, well, hopefully I, I met your, uh, met your standard of of what you said there. So hopefully this was good for you and the listeners that are that are listening. And I want to commend you for uh, anybody who's willing to take a risk like you did 18 years ago and roll the dice and start their own thing and then employ a whole bunch of people and grow their business and do it for the right reasons. Um, you know, it's my hat. I take my hat off to them because it's a you know, it's not a neat, it's not an easy thing. And I think when you talk to anybody that's been on this podcast or anybody in construction, they realize, man, opening your own construction business or being involved in construction in some capacity is a, is a tough business to, to be it's in. It's hard work. And that's my kind of my definition of success and my definition of hard work are pretty similar. It's doing the things you have to do when you don't want to do them. And that doing, doing the things you have. Are you talking about yeah. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we'll end there. <laughs> well, I, and I will, I will, uh, I'll give you an opportunity to have the last word, but I do want to say I thank you. And, uh, and the other, and the last thing I want to say is, um, uh, I appreciate your faith because that's something that's important to me. Something that, uh, I think that if, we, if more people had, if we live in a, obviously we live in a better world because I know you do a lot of good things with but the largest of you. So, uh, that's bottom line to all my success and everything in life is because of my uh, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. So, the uh, the last word: be an architect of relationships. Well, that's definitely definitely some good advice there. Uh, no question, hands down. So. Um, well, you said you had you had a podcast too and a radio show. Do you want to share that with everybody before you go? Sure. Uh, so you can. So I. So one reason why I've kept my name too. So Jimmy McKinney. So my nickname growing up over the years has been Skinny. So Jimmy Skinny McKinney. So I have a podcast <laughs> called Skinny on the Home. Uh, so you get this the Skinny on Home Improvement Remodeling Designer Building. Whether you're doing it yourself, having a friend or relative or help, or hiring a professional, we kind of give general information. I have guests on all the time. I've had landscapers, I had a mortgage broker, I had a real estate agent, uh, electrician, plumber, HVAC, drywaller. Uh, we have guests and things on all the time, but you can just search whatever platform you listen to podcasts on, just search uh, Skinny on the Home and you'll find me there with a little 
cartoon uh cartoon figure from my neck down with a little tool belt on like bob the builder <laughs> oh shoot those cartoons can make us look better especially as an old man like me so. <laughs> well it, and uh uh just to just to let you go jimmy i just want to thank you again for taking the time and uh um i'll have to uh uh you know uh, buy you lunch someday so yeah um, no no worries thanks and thanks to all your listeners and like i said if anybody wants any more information or even wants to talk um feel free to share my contact information on your show notes there and and uh, they can call me anytime well i definitely will get that on there and thank everybody for listening today another good session of connex mm-hmm.